Jeez. And we're live. And uh, the monkeys will be singing for us just as soon as Doc starts channeling their dead voices. But in the meantime, hey, are you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans? It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. It's true. Everyone says so. But before we uh, we dilly-dally, we are not going to waste too much of Hinkley's time. We're going to let Miss Hinkley Korea introduce herself. Hi, I'm Hinkley Korea. I'm an author. I've written a couple of short stories that have been published in a couple of short story anthologies. Outstanding. The next part of the introduction, dear listeners, how we found them. Obviously, I've heard of Hinkley because I know who her dad is. Uh, everyone's favorite midget, Larry Korea, is her dad. Um, but it wasn't until... Uh, author Griffin Barber, who is a friend of the show, sung praises of her short stories and said, if you read none of the other short stories in these anthologies, you have to read hers, that I knew I had to have you on the show because I absolutely love short stories. But I'm sure, Doc, you probably met her at a bar in a con or something, because that's where you meet everybody. I have not met Hinkley at a bar. We did meet. We did talk. But believe it or not, there are places other than bars. I think it was in either the vendors hall or the art show. I don't know. Wait, places other than bars? What kind of shenanigans are you talking about? Yes. There are other places. I don't know that I believe I that. but uh, for the... It must have been oh, a okay. coffee shop. Coffee shops, I'm I believe. Those caffeine at con, I'm sure. Absolutely. All right. So before we get too deep, though, Doc, we do have to get her to pass the test. So religion questions. All right. Okay. So Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly? Firefly. <laughs> what is it about Firefly that you like? It's fun and it's goofy and it's it's got really good storytelling, but most of all, it's entertaining. Which I think entertaining is like that. And it's a it's a complete series, you know, beginning, end, middle. Are you yeah. throwing shade at uh, George R. R. Martin again? I mean, if the shoe fits. <laughs> okay okay all right so the next time you go back when you get your, your first novel out we will be talking different questions because we mix them up on your second third and fourth interview so you, so you won't get to cheat okay but... so going going to fantasy game of thrones lord of the rings or the wheel of time lord of the rings because <laughs> it's it's the classic man it is Doc the original it is the OG. Doc, I almost think we're going to have to recite, like retire Lord of the Rings because that's all anyone ever says when it's on the list. It's almost not fair to the other properties. We're going to have to reevaluate these religion questions. Well, I'm not about to say Game of Thrones. <laughs> well, because it's never finished. You don't know how it ends. We know but how it is it iconic. The show is yeah. great for beta testing horrible plot points. So that's how we, we beta test our ending. We get a movie deal with HBO, we get them to make it, and we see what the fans hate. And check, cash the checks along the way. Hey, Got fans it. are and then, thing. And then you die before you ever have to actually write the ending. So you think Brandon Sanderson's going to write it for him? Oh, I, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> well, we know it's I not going to be gonna... Larry, because Larry is way too succinct. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. He does like money, so. This is true. This is true. He's a unash unashamed capitalist, and, and we love him for it. I know. But, I, think, I think Larry prints enough of his own money. 
So, so all he has to do is get them to invent guns in that universe, and then the problem solves itself. Give them a few muskets, those dragons won't stand a chance. Or dragon mounted muskets. Ooh, even better. That sounds like a, a great idea for a story. Doc, so for a fantasy story where they ride dragons, I've got another series that did that on the tip of my tongue. You might have heard of this fantasy series. Oh, oh there's the Dragon called? Academy. There's uh, <laughs> there's a ton of them. It's a there's, it's an ongoing joke. That there's a running joke between us, Inkley, that if it's got dragons, it must be fantasy. So Dragon Riders of Pern has to be a fantasy series. She She disagrees. <laughs> Just because the author thought it was science fiction, that doesn't mean it's so. Oh no, no, no! We're not playing that game. You little <laughs> before I start calling you names. It, so okay. did, did so, you ever take any literature classes when you were in college, Hinkley? Yeah, unfortunately. There's this theory that <laughs> what the author says they are thinks they mean and what they really mean when they write it aren't the same. So sometimes the blue curtain to the author really, is just a blue I, curtain. You're the only person I've ever heard say that claptrap. So just shush so we can continue on. Because most people stuff. didn't pay attention. Didn't they were asleep for that class. On the podcast because you're bringing down the average for the rest of us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next question is yours, Doc. So, um, you know, we love sci-fi and fantasy, but which one was your first love? Probably fantasy, if I remember correctly. Because, I don't know, swords are cool. <laughs> Swords are, cool. swords are cool. I think we are instinctually drawn to swords. You don't have to know what a sword is to see see a stick and want to pick it up and play with it like it's a sword. Yeah, I do HEMA, so it's... Wait, really? Yeah, I drive like two hours every week to go down to my local chapter and swing a stick around. So what uh, what weapon is your preference? Uh... Wait, German beats you every time, Jr. I mean, I can shoot him from a distance. I don't know that I can stab him up close, except for a bayonet, and that's a weapon of last resort. So okay, but Hinkley's favorite weapon is the great sword. You said, yeah. So I use German longsword and the uh, Portuguese montante, which is like a very long sword. It's like supposed okay. to be taller than the user. Oh wow. <laughs> So, so taller than you wow. would make it your dad's size? Yeah, some of them are. Like, they're still, for the most part, mostly built for, like, it's very hard to find swords that are taller than you when you, your entire family is, like, six feet tall. So, <laughs> yeah. So you're six feet tall, too. That would make it um, very difficult, I would imagine, to find swords because the average person back then wasn't as tall. Oh, not nearly. So did you have to get your sword custom forged for you? Uh, mostly what people use now come up to about shoulder height. Okay. For Montante and then like uh, German longsword is about chest size. Okay. So what got you into wanting to stab people in the Hema round? Honestly, fantasy stuff, because it's just, it's cool. And the fact that, like, people actually do it, like, of course I'm like, like, of course I'm going to try. Okay. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> okay, that's fun. Um, so do you remember what your first memory of engaging in speculative fiction was? Was it reading something? 
uh, watching it on TV. Where did you first discover the fantasy? Uh, probably TV. Okay. Uh, but I know I read a lot of books when I was a kid and played a lot of video games. So, do you remember what the first uh, intellectual property that you discovered for fantasy was? The first one I remember was probably the Fable series, the video games. Okay. That is a fun one. I, I played that one as well. So it had an interesting take on religion, Doc. You could do all the evil things that you wanted, get so evil that flies of the devil will sw swarm around you and you grow horns and a tail. And then if you just find one church and you donate a lot of gold, suddenly you're healed and you're, you're not sinful anymore. It's almost like they were Catholic. They bought indulgences. I well, always I thought mean, that was hilarious. Well, I mean, they were a French video game company, so. I guess it fits. But so what is it about the larger umbrella that is speculative fiction that you love? It's just fun because there's so much like crap going on in the world. Just like not even like these past couple of years, but just always where it's just so much cooler to be in a world with action and heroes and like doing good, if that makes sense. So then I would hazard a guess you're not a huge fan of Grimdark? I mean, it depends, because it kind of comes down to, like, suspense and that kind of thing, where it takes, like, you can have, like, a lot of it, but it needs stuff breaking it up, in my right. opinion, because otherwise it's just, like, Much. 2006, and the only thing you listen to is My Chemical Romance. <laughs> like, yeah. Even then, they had fun songs. So, yeah, but I mean, too much oh, dark God. is like, are we trying to test and see if we can push ourselves over the edge? Yeah. So, so you rebel against your inner goth child, and you you go for for a little bit of happy to break it up. I got gotcha. you. So, how did your love of speculative fiction transition into you deciding to write stories in this in this field? Well, it's one of those things where it's like, I wasn't really born into it, but it was definitely helped by my upbringing because dad can't exactly say you shouldn't be a writer. They don't like, because I was <laughs> a hypocrite. So I've, I've already got that over like a lot of people. <laughs> Fair. So I mean, it, is, it is nice that you come from a family that understands like, there is a profession and a work thing and it, and it's not an overnight thing either. So, so did you, I mean, obviously growing up with your dad as a storyteller and, and there are plenty of storytellers that never write it down. So that's not just because your dad is an author, but growing up in a family where stories were important. Do you think that flavored what made you find appeal in that and decide, you know, I could try that myself. Yeah, I definitely think it, it helped because it's just one of those things where it's always been like a hobby. And okay. so it's. Do you remember the first story you wrote? Uh, like, like. No, just in general, like before, even if it's not published, if it's just the first story you told yourself or that you wrote down, I mean. Uh, I have written a lot of fan fiction in my day. So. Okay. Any particular properties or were you all over the place? Uh, like the first, 
One of the first ones I had was Danganronpa. I'm actually wearing the jacket from that, where it's like a Japanese murder mystery game. Okay. All right. So, Clue, but not. I, I can dig it. So, many authors will let their own real-life experiences influence the stories they tell. So, were there any, do you think, specific formidable moments that shape the kind of stories you tell? Not big moments, but definitely feelings. Like, because in a more recent one I've written, it's a lot of, there's kind of a th feeling of homes. I try to capture a feeling of homesickness and like being kind of isolated, which is something I've like dealt with before, especially when going to college. Okay. That's a solid answer. Yeah. No, I think um, particularly because your family, like my family, is very tight knit. When you go away, it it everybody's going through it, but there's an extra layer to that. Um, and so that's a great thing that people can identify with when they're reading your stories, though. And um, but transitioning into things from a fan angle, have you had any uh, well fan art or somebody cosplay one of your characters? Not yet. <laughs> sure. So so if they were going to do that, like we'll obviously link to your social media in the, in the show notes and we will ask again at the end. But if someone was like, you know what? I really like her character in Kuru and I just want to dress that up for Halloween. And they wanted to send you like pictures. How would they do that? Uh, I'm over on Facebook mostly. That's where I do all of my author stuff when I'm at Hinkley Korea. And then I also have uh, an Instagram of at audio porpoise. All right. So if uh, if you if you decide to uh, so do that, why are you laughing, Doc? Because it's porpoise and it's a fun word. I love the word. Okay. You're but allowed to be weird. Walruses. She likes porpoises. It's it kind of fits. Dinosaurs are better. Everyone knows this. It's science. But anyway. <laughs> All right. Next question, Doc. Yes, before we get sidetracked into does JR know science? So has anyone asked for your autograph yet? Uh, yeah, I signed a couple books. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> and uh, what was that like the first time? Or It was very interesting because it's like, for me, I'm not a full-time writer yet. I'm still mostly a student. So having somebody like hey, sang this thing that you did. Like, it was just super cool. So do you keep a copy when you, like you're in a couple of anthologies already. Have you gotten a copy of all of them to keep for your I Love Me bookshelf? I do, yep. That's, that's cool. You're going you're to be glad you did that later. I make a point of getting one for each of my kids and then one for me because they might want it one day. And that way they don't have to fight over it, you know, in 100,000 years when I uh, when I die. That's how science works, Doc. That's math. JR, at the way the way you do things, you might just die next week if I can get the time to get up there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, but so have you had any fun or weird fan interactions yet? Uh, not with me, but I've had a lot with like dad because it's one of those things you just grew up with. Like, I remember one time I was trying to get my first job, and I was basically picking up every phone call that I got and answering with my full name. Because I was, like, 
I was applying for jobs, right? So one time I pick it up and I go, hi, this is Hinkley, you've reached Hinkley Korea. Like, what's this about? And the dude on the other end is like obviously high, like stoned out of his mind. And he goes, wait, Korea like the author? Like the writer guy? And it's like, no relation. And I hung up. So that's... <laughs> <laughs> That's actually. Did you tell your parents? Yeah, I remember like walking out of my room and just being like, "I got a wrong number, fan." What did your What did your parents say? That's kind of interesting. <laughs> they laughed. They thought it was funny. Yeah, that that's definitely a new one. <laughs> just wait no. till they think you started a cult. I understand that happens too. I don't know. Right. There's still that picture of the all of the guys in the uh, Inquisitor masks floating around from different cons. So we're oh, like halfway there. There you go. Um, so this is the part where we ask you about your body of work. So can you give us the uh, the highlights reel of what you've got published right now? Uh, yeah. So I've got a story in it's called Blood on the Water. It's in Target Rich Environment. It's a uh, cowboy monster hunter. Uh, Kuro, which is my favorite. Uh, one so far. It's like noir Japanese urban fantasy. And then this latest one that I have out is uh, on Cloud Nine on in the uh, We Dare For Dead or Alive anthology, which is uh, Space Bounty Hunters. Can't go wrong with Space Bounty Hunters. All right. So this uh, all sounds fascinating, but obviously we, uh, well, actually not obviously because we haven't shown the cover yet, but we want to talk about your short story in the Noir Fatale anthology, because that is the one that uh, Griffin Barber sung praises. So um, how did you come up with the idea for that uh, that short story that you submitted? Uh, it was actually, uh, Tony recommended, uh, Tony recommended me for it and I had a universe that kind of fit. So I decided to like play, play with it and try it out <laughs> and it worked out, so. <laughs> All right. Well, before we dive too much deeper, we're going to take a moment where we shamelessly shill for the man. Uh, we thank Bane for sponsoring this episode and uh, hit it. The war between Al Masia and the Empire of Colacolvia is in its hundredth year. Casualties grow on both sides as the conflict leaves no corner of the world untouched. Alarian Glaskov's quiet life on the fringes of the Empire is thrown into chaos when an impossible tragedy strikes his village. When he is conscripted into the Tsarist military, he is sent to serve in The Wall, an elite regiment that pilots suits of armors made from the husks of dead golems. But the Great War is not the only, or even the worst, danger facing Valerian, as he is caught in a millennia-old conflict between two goddesses. He must survive the ravages of trench warfare, horrific monsters from another world, and the treacherous internal politics of the country he serves. Servants of War, New Military Fantasy by Master of Horror Steve Diamond and international bestseller Larry Correa. Available on Amazon or wherever fine books are sold. Pick up your copy today. Who knew, Doc? We've been saying it wrong all this time. It's not Bane books, it's Bind books. I know I mean, that. It's wrong. That's their professional narrator, so I told Tony she thought it was hilarious. They I'm might right. even leave it in just to be retro. I don't know. <laughs> All right, Doc. Next one's on you. Um, 
Am I supposed to be making fun of you again or asking you a question? I got distracted by that. So you're um, going to ask her about... So I'm kidding. Um, so what was your first reaction when you saw this cover? Oh, I, I like that. Yeah, like it's the audio, the audible one, so they cut it way down. But uh, <laughs> my first thought seeing it was like, yep, that's a band cover. It, it very much is, it, but it's it's really an awesome cover. It definitely has that uh, grittiness to it. Yeah, and, it's so cool. Well, it definitely, one thing that's great about band covers, you always look, look at them and you know they're spec fic from like 10 yards away. Um, yeah, we asked that question that way because we realized when we, after, I mean, we're only on episode like... 205 now uh we realized that most trad pub authors don't get a say in their cover so we got a lot of oh they just told me this was my cover so we decided that would finally get a clue and we're, we're gonna start asking the authors their reaction when they saw it then um since the process is a little different for you guys but uh, doc don't yawn that is contagious you're not allowed to do that anymore yeah, I, I do like it the uh really apply so yeah, the uh, the the font. I like the way that looks. It definitely stands out. Um, I'm told that there's red writing underneath that. I do not see it, but uh, but I'm going to take it on faith because um, because Sean was reading that to me earlier. Um, but but yeah, the art is amazing. So there is. I I can't see it on your picture, but uh, I have the anthology. So now I'm looking to see if I can find the anthology. The dark side of science fiction and fantasy. There you go. So, Hinkley, what does noir mean to you? Because this is, and like, how, what would your pitch be for this anthology? Uh, see, this is the stuff I'm terrible at. So, uh, That's okay. This is like, when we, when we ask people, what's your 30 second elevator pitch for the book? I have seen amazing people go, uh, it's a book? So, hey, no we're, writers, we're not public speakers. <laughs> so, what, um, like, how would you define noir? How about that? Versus I, I think it's mentally to me, it's always like black and white and shades of gray to me because that's always what they, uh, what they show. But it's, it's like it's gritty and there's a sort of realism to it even though it's a genre with like a lot of flowery language but it's just it's gritty and it feels like real people mm -hmm. like str like struggling through so i like that uh, i like that definition that works for me what was your first well yeah particularly because like when we talk about noir films we're normally talking black and white but when you're talking about books, people innately think in color when they're seeing it. So you have to, it has to be more nuanced than everything's black and white. There's no color. <laughs> um, they say it like that in their head too. You know, I don't know what you hear in your head, JR. I've been wondering what goes through there for a long time. So You're not old enough to hear that. What is uh, your short story in this collection? What was that? 
What's your short story called? Uh, it's called Kuro, which is actually uh, the word for black in Japanese. Speaking of black and white? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's gotten more in the title. Title. <laughs> That's actually kind of cool. So what is it you think that makes your story special? I think it might be the setting. I've heard, I've gotten compliments on that. Uh, because it's set in Japan, but I try my best to not make it weeaboo-y. That's okay. good. <laughs> That's like my number one concern in writing this universe is like, I want to be cool and I want to write with like, Japanese folklore and mythology and like culture and stuff, but I want to make it not seem like I'm walking around with a fedora and a katana. Why not? That sounds fun. <laughs> you want to be like, there's a fine line between being culturally sensitive and, um, and, and aware and just like ripping off a culture. And I get that. Um, obviously, JR is too weebo. I don't even know what that means, but uh, I know that like anime is the picture books my son reads. So, I mean, I get it, right? That's, That's the, the same thing. Well, it's a picture book. It's all good. It's like a comic, right? I get it. I'm with it. I'm hip. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can send the hate mail to Doc Seska at blastersandbladespodcast.com. But um Yeah, private message me if you're gonna send me stuff to help with the pain that JR causes. <laughs> so what tropes do you feel like your story Kuru hits the best? Uh well hopefully the femme fatale trope. Uh <laughs> uh and then I also tried to hit that like very tired detective who's just like he's trying to He's just trying to make it through the night, man. <clears throat> I could I could relate to that. So um did you write this at night to set the mood? Because if you didn't, uh, you need to lie to us and tell us that you did under a street lamp in a gritty rain. I'm gonna be completely honest, I did write most of this like super late at night at like four in the morning and just edited it when I woke up. I'm pretty sure that's how all college students write anything. Yeah, I'm surprised it doesn't have like half an English essay in there somewhere. So <laughs> that would be funny to see your editor answer that when you when you throw that in there. Um, but uh, even funnier if they edited the essay and told you why you were wrong about whatever you were analyzing. But anyway, that's just a nerd in me. So obviously this is a noir story, but do you think it fits into other genres or subgenres? Oh uh, yeah, because it's mostly urban fantasy. Okay. With, because it takes place in the in the heart of a big city, but it's also magic is very much part of the world and how it works. Okay. So have you started writing other stories in this world or is it just something you want to do at some date in the future? Um, I actually have, but I'm not I'm not sure how much I can say about it because it's not been I don't think that it's been announced. I believe it's going to be in the third of this like anthology series with the noir uh, down these mean streets. And if not, you should check it out anyway because it's they're going to be good stories. 
Okay. So uh, do you plan at some point in time to expand this universe into novel length stories or does that going to have to depend on what happens after college? Uh, I'm working on it. It's just hard because I'm doing trade school and I'm like two months out from graduation. So I'm totally just understand. doing my best. No, I totally understand. I mean, you got a lifetime to make that happen, but uh, all right, doc, I don't want to steal the show. So your turn. <laughs> So, uh, can you tell us a bit about your main character here? Uh, yeah, so it's a guy named Kazue Hik uh, Hikubo, who runs a private investigation firm, specifically dealing with spirits and, and paranormal activity. Uh, basically, he's the patriarch of a family of exorcists, and he's been... Like, this has been the family business for years and years and years, just dealing with ghosts and the supernatural. And he's just doing his best to make it through and get rent. <laughs> so did you watch the, uh, like, the Exorcist and other, like, paranormal type shows and, and read that genre? Or is that just something you did for the story? Is that something you're drawn to? really enjoy like horror movie stuff so it's okay. like, like okay that's fair so all right so, doc sorry to interrupt fine. you're you're welcome to interrupt as long as you can handle the consequences <laughs> so um were there any secondary characters that really stood out for you with this uh with secondary characters, I uh, uh, with there's a bartender in it who is very mysterious, and he's probably one of my favorite characters in the series. And there's really not much I can say about him without like big spoilers, but he's he's a fun character. Everybody loves a good bartender. I think noir especially has to have them. It's almost like required in the fine print. So I could get behind that. Doc. So, um, do does your character have a femme fatale? Uh there is. He gets hired by a very attractive lady to help find her missing brother. And that's the mystery of the story. Okay, and you want to know more, you have to read it. So we did link to the uh, to the book in the show notes. So if you're interested, you could definitely go buy a copy. Um, we did specifically link to the Bain uh, purchasing site as opposed to Amazon or Barnes & Noble because it's my understanding the authors get a slightly larger cut of the money if you buy it direct. They so if, that's, if that is your thing and you're willing to go out, we, we link to that. Um, and we're going to do that for all of the publishing houses where that's true because it's, you know, we're – we're about the nerds helping nerds instead of the, the man, so to speak. But all right, Doc. 26. 26. Woo, you counted high today. Um, so can you discuss your bad guy without giving away any spoilers? Uh not really. <laughs> that that is why 26 is either a very detailed question or a very uh like skip it, move on to the next one. Well, it's so, a mystery story, and you don't want to, like, reveal, like, 
Oh no, I, I like that Noor. Noor does tend to be a mystery. So, so does Noir also? I mean, does Noir? Does your story also have elements of man versus nature and man versus man as far as like themes instead of necessarily one specific? The bad guy is Bob. Sometimes the world where the story happens is almost a bad guy. It's, you see that a lot in cyberpunk. Is that something you apply to this story as well? Uh, kind of. There's there's definitely some braving the elements. I'll, and again, because the war really helps for this, is kind of that feeling of loneliness and isolation and a difficulty connecting with other people. Okay. So speaking of characters, so as authors, we do awful, horrible, terrible, no good things to our characters. Uh, so if yours met you in a back alley, how do you see that playing out? And when I wrote that question, I didn't consider that some of my authors might actually be trained with deadly weapons. Uh, we've interviewed Navy SEALs and former special operators, and now people trained with stabby swords. So uh, maybe you have a chance. Well, it depends. Like, does he know what I did? And <laughs> and second, am I allowed to have a firearm? Uh, was it uh, God Made Man and Sam Colt Made Them Equal, I believe? is uh, No, God Made Man and Woman and Sam Colt Made Them Equal. Yeah, I, I, I feel you. That's an appropriate answer, and we will accept it. And, uh, <laughs> Doc, question 30 is on you because I asked some of them out of order. Really? You out of order? I know. You are shocked yeah, that I didn't follow the rules. Um, so what can we expect from this world? Is it a magic world or a sci-fi world? It's a very it's a very magic world, but it's also very modern. It's basically a world where people don't know the supernatural exists, but it's it's very much does exist and it's walking among them. So what can we expect in the way of magic from this? I would assume it's probably more like magic's on the down low then, right? Uh, yeah, for the for like the most of the world, it's on the, it's on the down low, but there's plenty of magic in uh, the short story because one of Kazue's powers is that he has the ability to basically read the memories that are just kind of floating around in the air. And that's why he makes such a good detective. That makes sense. That could also slowly drive you crazy if you couldn't learn to control it. <laughs> yep. I mean, could you imagine if you could just hear everyone's thoughts? It sounds cool until you can't turn it off and you just want a moment of silence to take a nap. JR's head. To, yeah, my head alone would drive people bonkers. Not going to lie. To quote a thing that hasn't actually happened in the universe yet. There is no normal people that uh, practice magic. Okay. It's a solid answer. Fair I would take it. Uh, so if um, you, you obviously you mentioned the magic that's in your universe, it seems a little bit more dominant than, than the tech side. So if you could have any of the magical abilities from your world, which one would you want for daily use? Uh I would want, I don't know. I haven't actually thought too much of it. Uh, one of the characters has, has like the ability to see through illusion. And I think that would be cool to just be able to see 
like be able to see the magic. That would be cool. So if you could, well, I was the next question of that. It's always two part is how you would abuse that. But in order to use that magic, you have to exist in a world where everyone else has magic. So I don't know that it normally fits. Uh, you made my job more difficult. Well done. Yeah. You get an A plus for that. I like it. You keep us on our toes. You're and this is me. This is me stealing Doc's questions because she's half asleep. Her day job and playing with chemicals and not blowing up the lab. It takes a lot out of her. But um, so your universe doesn't have aliens, but you do have monsters and wee beasties. So when you go about creating those creatures, how do you do it? Do you let nature inspire you? Do you pull from legend and lore? Do you make it up completely out of whole cloth? Like what is your technique as a writer for creating these uh, otherworldly beings? Uh, I look at a lot of folklore stuff because Japan's got some really interesting like monsters and creatures and like the way some of them just interact with the world is not how you think they would. And that's just a really fun thing to read and learn about and like getting it and trying to fit it in together. Okay. That's fair. So um, as this interview is winding down, because you know it's a shorter one for a short story, still a little bit longer because we wanted to give you the full experience uh, of asking all the fun questions. Um, but uh, was there anything about your story, Kuru, in the Noir Fatale anthology that we didn't ask that you wanted to tell us? Honestly, every single one of the stories in there is really solid. And, like, so if I haven't sold you just uh, on mine, just, like, check out all of the other ones, because it's just a really solid anthology. Oh, no, it's a good one. I've read about half of the anthology. So anthologies take me a little longer because I, I read one and then I go to a book and then I read one. So, but I, I've really enjoyed it. It's a solid anthology. So obviously you can't speak for all the stories because I don't know if you had that much time with a college student. I certainly didn't do a lot of reading for the fun of it. But for your story, what would the age range be for like... If you're this age, you're old enough. Like, is it for young kids? Is it young adult only? Like, what would the rating be for your, your story? It depends on the kid, really. <laughs> but uh, okay. I'd recommend about probably mid-teens and up. Okay. Um, and so, obviously, you know, you're you're still in school working on your thing, although, you know, we're airing this in a month. So, you're almost done when this goes live. You'll only have, like, 30 days left. But... Um, what are you writing now that you can talk about, obviously, because if you've got contracts signed, you, you know, we understand. But what are you writing now? Uh, right now, I am actually working on the full-length novel for this. Okay. For Kuro and trying to, and yeah, just, <laughs> that's what my primary thing I'm working on. So did you have to make a world Bible to follow it across all the short stories and the and now the novel that you're working on, or do you just keep it all in your head? I have a lot of it just written. I have like a ton of notebooks. That's oh, what I, I do, do that too. I do I, like, so I'll just like write stuff down in one of them while I'm screwing around at school or during my lunch break. So okay. one quick question, just for clarification. This is one world, but you have other short stories set in the same universe. 
Uh, yes, it's not okay. any kind of out though. Yeah. Now, do those also involve the same some of the same characters? Um, it's actually there are some of the same characters, but it's actually a different uh, point of view character. No, that's great. Is because so basically what I'm hearing is as a fan is go buy this book, read this, like my character. There's going to be another short story, and then we're going to get a novel in this universe. So yep. here's a starter, here's a snack, and I'll get you your meal soon enough. See <laughs> you know what you're doing? So was the story in the We Dare and the other anthology that you're currently in, were they different worlds? Uh, yes. So the one in Target Rich Environment is actually in the Monster Hunter series. Okay. With, uh, it's basically Bubba Shackleford time, times. And okay. they fight, and they're like hunting down the Bear Lake monster. That's fun. Okay. Um, so before we let you go, dear listener, now that we've, uh, we've talked your ear off suitably, um, we'd like to remind you to please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. Your reviews help the right readers find the right books. So do your part. It really does make a difference. And uh, remember when you're writing these, you're not so much talking to the author as you are talking to your fellow readers and nerding out with other people that like books. So if you're going to say this novel sucks, sometimes it helps to say why you think it sucks because you know, what you like, someone else might not and vice versa. For some people, too much cussing is a bad thing. For others, it's like, oh, okay, so it's Tuesday. Um, so yeah, so, so do your part with the reviews. And because we think reviews are important, Doc has pestered me and we're finally trying to get it scheduled. We're hurting the cats. We are going to do a fireside chat on reviews. We have a list of who we're going to try to invite and we're going to try to get that out before season two is over. If not, it'll come out early season three because for us, season three starts in January. All right. So uh, other than Facebook, are you anywhere else on the in the internet you want to remind people how they can find you? Um, you can find me at Hinkley Korea on Amazon. And you can also find me at Audio Porpoise on Instagram. Okay. And uh, hopefully she'll set her website up in her Amazon profile up before this airs. And if so, we will link to that as well. You can find us on Twitter at twitter.com backslash SF underscore fantasy underscore show, Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. You can email us at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. Again, blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. For all the jokes about hate mail, this is the actual real address. So if you want to reach out to us, we do answer and we try to remember to check it at least twice a week, sometimes more, sometimes once, but it does get looked at. We promise. Uh, you can find us on Facebook where all the shenanigans happen at facebook.com backslash groups backslash Blasters and Blades podcast. Again, backslash groups backslash Blasters and Blades podcast. We have a Facebook okay. page now that Doc just set up, but I don't have that written down as a link yet to the show templates. It's Blasters and Blades. But we are Blasters and Blades everywhere. And it's such a popular name that they're writing music right now. You heard it in the background. We had to tell the band to take a break, though. So it is all good. You Sorry. can find us. No, no, it happens. Um, but the fact that it was a music, not a ring, gave me a little bit of room to be creative in the moment. And Doc just rolled her eyes. That's how it works here. Uh, you can find us on our website at anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades. Again, anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades. Uh, we originally were going to have the website out, but uh, Doc and I decided to put that on hold until she talked to the marketing team who is 
um, of graduate students who are using us as their semester project. And it's been very awesome. They've been helping us learn some stuff to help people find the podcast. So while we wait to learn those things, we haven't gone forward with the, uh, with the website, uh, mostly because we work smarter, not harder. At least that's what Doc keeps telling me. I don't know. Um, well, speaking of, well, go ahead. You can mock me. You've got about five seconds left. To make the website, you were trying to actually build a billboard. You mean that's not what you meant? No, it was not what I meant. Oh See man, I, mean? I hired that. I hired that guy on Times Square. He had that little. That little board, he was spinning it for us. And you're like, nope, don't go. Anyway, uh, on our current website, anchor.fm backslash blasters, tacky and tack blades, you can support the show for as little as 99 cents a month. You can help keep the lights on, or you can support the show more directly at buymeacoffee.com backslash author JR Hanley. Again, buymeacoffee.com backslash author JR Hanley. Be sure to put in the comment section that it is for the podcast. And I promise I will keep my co hosts, Doc Seska and Nick Garber. Duly medicated, they will have all the happy pills they can take so they don't shoot me. I just need more coffee. More coffee works. All right, Doc, bring us home. Thank you for sending some of our your precious time with us for the absentee Nick Carter, the ad, and the addle-brained J.R. Handley. I'm Seska. This was the Blasters and Blaze podcast. We'll be back next week, same time, same place, talking about our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, all things that go boom, and of course, mocking J.R. because... That is truly the pastime here.